Hi, I'm Lee Kelly, and this is That Moment Podcast, where you share stories of the moments your life changed. Hi there. Today I'm having a conversation with the very brave and inspiring Hazel Milligan. 18 months ago, she was diagnosed with a grade 4 glioblastoma brain tumour and given one year to live. Hazel shares what she's learning about herself and life as she prepares to die. She is cherishing the time she has left with her family and friends. And her words are a profound message of surrendering to and accepting those moments in life we don't expect. Hello, Hazel. How are you today? Hello. I'm, I'm very good, thank you. Good. I'd like to welcome you to That Moment podcast. And I know you've had a huge journey over the past 18 months with dealing with an extremely aggressive brain tumour. And one of the reasons I'm so inspired by you is your incredible attitude of resilience and joy in the face of this very cruel and not very fair disease. And I'm also really inspired by your by your acceptance that you are going to die from it. And I know that sounds very direct and maybe harsh, and I know that you have a lot of hope, and we all do. But I think we often skirt around the edges of death, and it comes to us all. And I've witnessed you going through this process, and my hope today is that you can share your story that moment you discovered you had this brain cancer and the moments that you have had that have led you into this really beautiful place of calm acceptance. And I also want it to be an opportunity for you to leave your voice and your legacy for your family and your children and other people to listen to. Thank you, Lee. This is an amazing opportunity. Um, and it means a lot to me that you that you see me that you witness and see what I'm doing and going through. Um I appreciate that. Uh to be seen is very powerful and uh, I guess this this is one way <laughs> to be seen in this world. Um, and so going to my story, um, I was diagnosed a year or so ago with a um, grade 4 GBM brain tumour um, out of the blue after having headaches for a couple of weeks. Um, I don't normally get headaches. And, yeah, there it is. Um, and a, a very aggressive type of brain cancer, um, <clears throat> which had made its way into my body somehow. Um, no no real reason that anyone can tell, tell us or tell me. So I've had a big shock. It was a big shock. Uh, for me and for my family. Um, a huge shock. 
uh, in Dunedin Hospital to be <coughs> um, under the knife and, well, thankfully being offered surgery, um, <coughs> which I was and I had as much as could be removed taken from my head. Uh, they couldn't take it all and they only need to, usual cancer story, they only need to leave a few cells um, for it to keep regrowing and um, this one is particularly <coughs> aggressively growing type from from history uh, and so <coughs> for a while that um, was the tre treatment and then six, I had six weeks of chemotherapy and radiotherapy as well um, to <coughs> also get rid of all any, any residual cells um, that might stick around um, and you know that was the usual pretty rough uh, experience that you hear about with um, vomiting and nausea and hair falling out and whatnot but um, you know it was okay after about six weeks it wasn't too bad um, energy like unbelievable loss um, uh, that took that was the hardest part was just feeling so depleted um, for probably, yeah, I think about six weeks before I could um, say I could walk again properly or felt mildly energetic again. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I recovered from that and uh, then I went on the uh, downside of the roller coaster, which was thinking that you know it was sorted, um, and it I got my symptoms back, which were for me uh, headaches and fuzzy thinking, feeling like I'm off the planet, um, and um, a loss of mobility, uh, a compromise of my walking actually, a sort of shuffling and um, that kind of thing. It was another. Another one of the um, symptoms of the brain tumour pressing on something inside me to um, challenge my mobility. So that's been a factor since then as well. Um, I know that when that's happening, um, you know, there's more pressure on my brain. So that's what happens, is that the pressure builds up with the tumour uh, growing, um, it creates pressure in the brain and then fluid build up um, and presses on all sorts of other parts of your brain that affect function. So that that's and I'm at a stage now where I'm never quite sure what's going to show up next, but um, it's pretty much um, um, clarity in my brain or. Movement are the two things that I know um, are signs that it's building up again. And so I take steroids for that um, on a regular basis and at the moment they seem to be keeping my symptoms manageable. Uh, I don't have any headaches at the moment, so I'm really grateful for that. Um, so just going back to the actual initial diagnosis and the shock... Um, uh, had had an epiphany, I think, I guess that is the word, um, of the using the word and the phrase with the help of my dear friend who 
actually coined it, which was um, surrendering um, t- um, to the to this, um, le- no, it was leaning into, this is what we came up with, leaning into the sweet spot of surrender. That's really good. It was just perfect because there was action and um, and our release, you know, it was just such an intense time. And just those few words allowed me to free up some mental and emotional space to open to... Um, and the other big word is possibility. So when you get this diagnosis, it's just like, wow, big black tunnel and you're going to die. And, they, and the prognosis was um, one to two years. Um, so, yeah. And How long has it been so far, uh, uh So it's been <clears throat> over one year. Yeah, it has been past... I've ticked over past the one-year mark, so... That's that feels good, um, and 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 it is unknown. And they, you know, I was talking to a doctor the other day, and he said we're terrible at predicting numbers, you know, at predicting outcomes. Terrible. So nobody knows, and that is the thing that absolutely um, consoles me. Often, I, you know, I just say, I don't know, they don't know, nobody knows. <laughs> Actually, um, so why um, why even put a number on it if if we don't know, you know? Um, so you can really help yourself. I I've really helped myself by not agreeing to numbers um, that may have been offered, or um, or I might read about or whatever. Um, so you know, it's, a lot of it is statistics, but they're not. There there are. Exceptions to the rule, and um, it's what you believe is is really powerful and uh, listen to or choose not to listen to. <laughs> um, so I guess I've made I've made some decisions there, and some some days I do go a little bit more down the rabbit hole of uh, thinking shit, it's all over, and and that's when um, I have faced into my death, and I. I am comfortable with dying because I will. Die, I am going to die, and this this may get me sooner rather than later. Um, or um, and 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 it's a gift because it's allowed me to have a contained amount of time, um, or a specific. Well, if you know, I'm not loosely saying um, amount of time to work around with um, my people, you know, and, and that's that's what this journey is all about, is actually um, relishing and lifting up and engaging with and enjoying my my people, my children, my friends, mostly my children. Is that um, one of your greatest learnings from this experience for you? I think so, yeah. It's not um, in any way taken for granted the people that are around me, my kids in particular. Yeah, it's really cherishing, cherishing the moments and the interactions and the connections with them. Yeah, definitely. That's one of the big learnings um, because it's so easy to let them be in the background. And anyway, I don't have them, you know, I may not have them forever, 
So if I don't, boy, I'm going to make most of them. I'm going to know them, you know, even more. I already know them pretty well. Um, and I'm very close to my kids. And um, I, um, but, but the other big revelation has been um, the journey of self-love. And I think that's, um, that's something I'd really like to share because I didn't realise how much love there was in the world for me. Um, and going through this, I have received so much care and love. It's just been beautiful. Um, and it is a real receiving journey for me. And I'm being the kind of person who's given a lot in my life to others. Um, and so to receive is not not too challenging. I'm getting, I've got better at it over the years, but... Um, but, you know, it's not my natural to go to. It's to ask you, what do you want? What do you need? And, um, yeah, so to put my arms up and out and receive has been incredibly humbling and beautiful. <laughs> um, on this journey uh, and... It's, um, yeah, I don't know. Is that something you found very hard to do before this experience? Um, not, not too hard. But you talk about self-love. Self-love, yeah. Yeah, no, I was, I was getting better at that. Um, just little ways of nurturing myself, but more about talking to myself. I suppose, oh, I don't know in what way, but um, self-love, yeah. Um, How do you talk to yourself now? Um, very, very, very kindly mm. um, and gently and lovingly. And I, I wasn't harsh before, um, but probably more actively, you know, just I love you, I'm listening is one of my affirmations. I put my hands on my heart and say, I love you, I'm listening. And I wait and it feels good and... I don't, you know, I don't necessarily get anything back straight away, but um, I'm I'm more active in my self-love um, practice, I guess. Um, yeah. What's been the absolute hardest thing for you to accept? Because I know there's been physical changes in your body, which I guess are challenging, like loss of hair. Yeah, and loss of hair. Yeah, that loss of femininity, I feel like that's what I kind of lost when I lost my hair. But um, And <clears throat> I'm kind of, I'm not too much of an ego person, I could handle that. But but loss of mobility, yeah, that's really hard. Um, and independence, this threatening loss of independence. Um, I'm still able to shower myself and, you know, um, look after myself to a certain degree. But um, I can see there might be a time as things progress where I will need more care. Um, and, yeah, that loss of independence is, um, hum is really humbling because I've worked with elderly people and um, to be on the other side... Um, I probably didn't need to be any more humbled, cause um, but I but I am. 
Because you're young. How old yeah, are you? I'm 58. 58. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're not, you're not elderly. No, I'm not. But I feel like an old lady. I've got a bloody walker in it. Yeah, tell me about the walker. Oh, so I have a walker. Uh, this is new. Um, just really as a preventative thing in case I fall and allows me to get around um, independently. Uh, and so I've made friends with it because... Um, yeah, it's not something I imagined in my future, that's for sure, uh, five years ago or any time really, <laughs> other than. So, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful, really grateful that I, um, and I do practice gratitude, so um, a lot. I'm grateful that my ego isn't so huge that, I, that that was really hard or is hard. I'm seeing it as a tool. It's It's a tool for me to be independent, you know, it's not, it's not a threat to my my ego of my age or my or my status or whatever. Um, the other thing that I'm really open to is counselling and support and help from other people, and I'm really glad that I can receive that as well. And there has been so much on offer. I'm just thinking of the counsellor that I saw the other day through the hospice. Um, society and um, you know I'm not I'm I'm open to anybody's support really anyone who can help me help me I'm 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 up for it <laughs> you know I will be, I'm in a receiving state I'm in a very highly receptive state I think that's my emotional um, um, position right now and kind of um, realization that receiving is um, what it's all about for me um, and surrender so that that's that other word you know that keeps that helped me a lot in the initial diagnosis um, so, sort of shock and finding a way to soften into acceptance by surrender so if I'm surrendering then I'm not fighting I'm not resisting I'm not creating pain I'm not suffering I'm not a fighter by nature you know people talk about fighting cancer I'm, I don't I'm not fighting it I, I'm a peacemaker you know I'm a, a gentle soul and so for me it's more about um, surrendering and um, letting go and sinking into what is rather than pushing it away um, that's what I've learned works for me. Well, it seems to work with this process of <coughs> coming coming good with um, this shitty thing that's happened, really. Um, and so that helps me to soften and um, be able to just relax and accept. Yeah, it's all about acceptance mm. and surrender. I like those two words, and I think if you could think of your life before this, mm. was that something you practiced? I did, yeah, yeah, I did practice acceptance, um, not so much surrendering, I would think, maybe not that word so much, but definitely, um, yeah, acceptance and um, um, acceptance and gratitude, yeah, those two together. I think. What has been the most? Are there, have, have there been any really surprising moments for mm. you that you didn't expect? Mm. Um, Possibly the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, well, it was a bit of a bit like blue out of the blue, bam. If if we talk about the possibility, because there is possibilities of life and death yes. for you, yes. and I know that you have a lot of hope and you've yep. you carry that hope, but you've also surrendered to this process, yeah. however it however it folds out. So yeah. that's my mantra: is mm. this is my life's um, path? You know, my my life's path is unfolding. Um, as it's meant to, so that's that acceptance, isn't it? You know, I just have a a real belief now, I've, which helps me to say this is my life's path unfolding exactly as it's meant to in the right space and time. Um, I don't know when that time is and if if my life ends. Oh, not if, I mean, when, everyone, you know, everyone, and that's a comfort. And... You know, yeah, it's not just you, We're Hazel. all terminal. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. Um, you know, I'm not in this alone and it's um it's just it's just a time a time thing, but I have accepted that my time will come. I'm not sure where I was somewhere else just then, but That's okay. Yeah. So is there a fear of dying for you, Hazel? No, not at this stage. Um, so I have, in this process, have had to really look quite closely at what that might might feel like um, and to the point of funeral planning and um, end-of-life care um, and who I want to... And I like the idea of um, dying very peacefully and well, as we all probably do, um, in a gentle sort of way. Uh, and I can imagine just being in this very um, beautiful physical environment with my my good people around me, my family, my friends, and just looking up and and having sat mu- lovely music and nice smells and flowers, lots of flowers, and just this beautiful Zen environment. Um, and just being, yeah, very peaceful with that. I think um, it doesn't disturb me, the thought of that. And because I don't know what's on what, what that feels like, I'm choosing to imagine that it feels really good. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of using my imagination. I was raised a Catholic, so I'm not sort of... Um, but I, you know, I'm not into any of that um, stuff, so that's... Not not a thing, but um, I, um, I I choose to think it was um, it's something really beautiful and uh, and just positive and welcoming and warm and loving and um, just a really nice energy around it. That's 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 what I'm choosing to think or feel, um, and then practical things. Kind of, I've been thinking about, you know, my coffin and decorating it and um, and my um, service, obviously, and all that, that kind of thing, um, and planting trees. I'm going to have some hazelnut trees planted in um, Wanaka Station Park. So that will be my, my sort of spot um, for my ashes and for people to come if they want to come and see me and that all feels really good because I'm a nature girl and I love trees and um, yeah it's a very positive image for me the thought of dying at the moment 
um, to be able to leave my um, my little bits and pieces behind, and I'm working on some um, physical things that I'm leaving as well, and spiritual, you know, just little mementos really for people, and it's a really great opportunity for me to acknowledge some special people in my life and um, to use this opportunity really to of the of a of a potential ending and you know it still is only a potential um, yeah I think it's it's great that you do have this time <clears throat> where you can prepare and yeah. and spend time with your your dear friends mm. and with your children and you can create a possible ending mm. that that feels very special and, and I am so lucky to have the time I think mm. you're right it's a, it is a real gift of this situation is that I've got the best of both worlds in a way because everyone knows they're dying but they think it's not going to happen um, and so we kind of do generally and I will say I've done this fritter away our time and not use every moment or not acknowledge every moment that we can have that's very precious with special people um, and I have got time and my kids have been able to come and spend time with me and it's, it's such a gift such an incredible gift and I look them in the eye and they go this is it guys <laughs> this is it it's our moment now and they get it they get it man they get it and we both do it in a very loving um, positive way and yeah, well, I'm lucky because I'm not in the in a sort of trance of it'll happen later or whatever. It's it's present, you know, and um, present. It's real present moment living, you know, opportunity. If I choose to do that, and that's that's how I'm rolling with it at the moment. Mm. We might all get sick of it in a while, but we'll see. <laughs> and I guess for your children, what an incredible learning experience. For them, yeah, and and what do you see? How are they being changed or transformed through this? <clears throat> yeah, I guess um, I could, you'd have to ask them to be sure, but I guess they are also experiencing that intensity of this is the only moment really um, that we have now. Um, yeah, so they are learning more about that as a concept, I guess, and as a, as an experience, as far as getting to know each other more or anything like that, I think we've, you know, we know each other pretty well, but it's been really nice to just acknowledge what we do know about each other as well, mm -hmm. you know, um, after all these years of being on this earth together in this form. Um, so, so just, you know, looking out at the world now and we see everything that's happening, mm -hmm. it's a lot happening. There's a lot of people suffering and a lot of mental mm -hmm illness around and a lot of uncertainty and rushing about and maybe adhering to false values or values that don't actually really nurture and serve us what would mm -hmm. what would be your maybe advice mm -hmm. if you were to give some advice now from this position of yeah nothing really matters <laughs> that's it really pretty much you know it doesn't you know it's the people that people Tongue into Fenua, you know, it's the people, it's the bonds of love, the connections with people that are really important and um, staying connected if you can, you know, and even in little ways. 
um, is what, yeah, this has helped me just um, really strip back to what's important. Which, and it is about, yeah, connections and love, you know. Love is the word that just keeps coming back for me from this experience. And it's love for others, but the self-love I talked about as well. But really tapping into the love that's out there in the universe. There's so much love. Um, I've I have felt and connected with. Um, it's just, yeah, it's there. It's absolutely there. And if you can connect with that, then that is the most important thing, I believe. Um, yeah. How would you suggest people connect <laughs> with it if they're a little bit? Yeah. Well, that sounds great, but I don't yes. know how to feel that love or connect mm. with it. How's, yeah. how's it, how's it been for you? Is it through <clears throat> other people serving you and you receiving? Yeah, yeah, it is through that, um, absolutely. Also, I guess meditation is a, is a really good way in, I think, for, for me. Um, just I've got a, you know, one that is about connecting with uh, universal good and I try to interpret as love, you know, it can be come through in many forms. But, yeah, through through people, through people's service, yes, I would say, and care and love. Yeah. What's been the most helpful expression of service that you've received so far in this experience? Oh, gosh, most helpful. I think when people are very present and alongside me um, and put an arm around me, that's that feels really nice. Um, it's, um, I get a lot of <clears throat> messages and people sending love, you know, I get it, I get it sent to me <laughs> in, in a text message and things, but, you know, it's that contact I think is special. I'm a, I'm a touchy person, you know, I love message, which is how I know you, um, and um, I think when someone will come and visit and sit down and put their arm around me, or touch me, you know, that is beautiful, an expression of love for me, yeah. Because mm. often people don't know what to say. Mm. Do, do you find that? Is it yeah. better that people are really honest? Oh, yeah, yeah. God, yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm, I much prefer how, hearing how they're feeling, um, absolutely, than, and, and that they do that rather than not come at all or not say anything at all. Um, but, yeah, and, and if someone will cry with me I mean that is the ultimate um sharing of love you know because I see now um as tears as an opening of the heart I, d I didn't I've never thought about this before but I've just recently discovered it as a idea so when I cry now I think ah oh, that's my heart opening and so if someone can share tears with me I mean that's the ultimate love really yeah, I think. Mm. That's beautiful, Hazel. My father died last year and he mm. died of cancer. He was 83. And we often talked about doing a podcast together and he struggled to talk because he had esophageal cancer. Mm. And and then I used to feel bad. Oh, no, I won't do that. I so, I so regret now not having his voice to listen to mm. and that I didn't get his wisdom that I could actually tune into whenever I wanted. So I think for me today with you, it was 
this opportunity for you to leave your voice mm. in the world. And I so appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. And your wisdom that you've learned mm. so that your children and your grandchildren mm-hmm. or your great-grandchildren one day will be able to listen. Mm. And so I'm just wondering if you've got any little messages that you'd like to leave to your children or your future Hmm. Grandchildren. Oh gosh, that's a hard one. I mean, there's so so many, so much. But I guess if you can be authentic, you be your authentic self. I think that's really, um, and that's you need maybe people around you to <clears throat> support you to do that um, because being authentic isn't always easy. Um, but if you can find who you are. Um, you, your essence, you know, your little character, your foibles, um, and and then be able to own them, own own yourself. Um, then the the world will be so much better for knowing you and knowing having a having a strong, authentic person in the world who's able to live by their values. And because to me that's what authenticity is about, being able to stand up for yourself, live by your values, um, and be yourself out loud. You know, not be not be um, shy or ashamed, or um, be be bold. I guess yeah, being bold um, and authentic, genuine, not not flashy, but. Yeah, genuine, I think that's... And get to know yourself, I think. That's the thing I've spent a lifetime <laughs> getting to know myself or and um, I, th- I think it's helped me to be able to be a helpful hum- human being um, because if I know myself, then I can see others as well. And So is there anything else that you'd like to share with your family, your friends, or whoever in the world might be listening to these words today, Hazel? Um, don't be afraid. You know, if shit hits the fan, don't don't crumble or curl up in a ball. Be, I mean, you can be afraid. Of course you can be afraid. This experience for me has been terrifying and not what I've, you know, wanted or at all, but... Um, don't let fear take you over. I mean, I suppose is that what I, is what I mean. Um, if and there will, and fear is part of life, eh? Um, but it's also the flip side of the love, and that's that's you know. Uh, I think um, a, a book I had years ago. I'm a bit of a self help book junkie. I've got so many, but there was one called "Lovers Letting Go of Fear." Um, and I think they are flip sides of the same coin, you know. If uh, fear, don't don't let fear hang around. Um, it's not, you know, it's not helpful. Move it, move it on, and replace it with love. That's what I'd say. I love that, and I just saw written on your bedroom wall the other day on a paper bag, no less, <laughs> yes. was all we ever have is now. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Um, those words came out of my daughter's mouth 
when I was in a little bit of a place of despair, um, over not seeing her again. Um, if you know, with this diagnosis, that's that's been the hardest part is the thought of leaving my children behind and how will I talk to them? <laughs> how will they talk to me? You know, it's all these questions, but we're working our way through it. And um, well, we all we ever have is now is what she said, and I'm, she's so right. Well, yeah, that's it. Now, ever, all we ever have is now. Yeah. Thank you, Hazel. That's just very beautiful to hear, and I'm very honoured to have had this conversation with you today. Thank you, and once again for um, seeing me and listening and giving me the opportunity because this is precious for me and my family too. Yeah, thank you.